0: Hello and welcome to The Raw podcast brought to you by The Sunderland Echo. This is our first episode on Shots TV which you can find on Freeview channel 276. Our guests for this episode are Chief Sunderland writer Phil Smith and former Sunderland player Stephen Elliott. Michael Beals, the the new Sunderland manager signed a two and a half year contract at the club coming in um, after he was sacked by Rangers sleeves. Just quickly, what was your initial thoughts on Tony Mowbray being sacked? Because we haven't actually spoken to you about that yet.
1: I was a little bit surprised. Obviously, he'd he'd gone through a bit of a kind of a, a rocky patch, and I mean the fixtures hadn't been going great away from home, but. When you look at a team that's not doing well, the first thing you look at is the players, are you with the manager still? And I would I, it seemed to me that the players were still with Mowbray before he, he kind of got sacked. Up. So he went down to Millwall, picked up a decent result, albeit not a fantastic performance, but the players were still with him. So, But I think a few of the things he said after that game made me think, you know what, things things could be coming to a bit of a halt there. And so when he went, initial shock, yeah, because he, he'd done so well and he's so well, liked, carried himself really well while he's been in charge of the club both as a manager and in front of the media and I think as a club ambassador I think the club as a city as well the city, sorry kind of felt proud to have him as the manager so from that from that point of view I was a little bit surprised but I wasn't I wasn't hugely shocked considering the kind of the way the club are looking going forward about obviously bringing young players into the club trying to kind of go down that head coach route with the directors behind the scenes bringing in players so it wasn't a massive shock although i was a little bit disappointed just because i enjoyed what you had done so far with a young group of players no absolutely
0: three points off the playoffs at the time of the second you mentioned there possibly some of his utterances in the press there seemed to be a little bit of a misalignment between what the what the, the board want or what you know christian speak want what Tony Mowbray was wanting, he was always sort of clear that, um, you know, he, he took the job knowing exactly what he what he got into but they, they, they did seem to sort of grow apart, didn't they, the two, the two sides, Mowbray and, and then people making the decisions.
1: Yeah, and obviously you always hear little bits of kind of noises coming out saying, oh, he, this could be his last game, things aren't as rosy as they seem and I'm sure the club as well, behind the scenes, Speakman and Co are looking at the at the, the long-term development of the club and, and going forward. And, Again, when he goes, I think Mowbray—he's not—he's—he's he's probably in his latter years in management. I still think he has a bit to offer. Like at another club, I'm sure he won't be struggling for a for a job if, if he if he decides to go down that route. But yeah, it's no major surprise that the club are looking at probably bringing somebody a little bit, of a younger manager in, so to speak, what they they had done previously. So it was interesting to see who they were going to bring in kind of building into that
0: We'll move on to, uh, to Michael Beale obviously he's installed as Sunderland's new head coach now Phil you wrote a piece on the Sunderland ego detail and why Sunderland have picked mm-hmm. Michael Beale there seemed to be a little bit of a, a flirtation as well with Will Still and some other foreign coaches but why is it Sunderland have appointed Michael Beale as head coach?
2: Yeah, well, I think it feeds into what Sleeves was saying in terms of, I think it's been obvious for a while that especially Kirill and then Christian, you know, is someone who works for Kirill, if you like, has been after someone with that kind of elite coaching background rather than what we might say is a management background, which is obviously what Tony has got. And so it's not a huge surprise to me that they've gone for someone who has, you know, inverted commas, a big reputation in the game for coaching as someone who's been at Liverpool and, and Chelsea I had expected that they would bring in a coach from abroad, maybe someone, I know Michael Beale does speak Spanish, but maybe a French-speaking coach and some of the names that were being linked, it looked like they were gonna go down that road. So I'm not convinced that Michael Beale was the first choice when they set out. I think what they maybe would have liked to have done was to go out and maybe poach someone from another club, maybe someone performing well abroad and obviously Will Still would have been primed for that. Clearly they weren't able to do that and I think that Beale's sort of coaching track record has got him the job and, it, and it's gonna be really, really interesting because as Lee said there, you know tony Mowbray was such a good communicator and um, the players really liked him the staff behind the scenes really really liked him and i think that stuff's really important especially when you manage a club of this size and even if you're not a manager anymore and you're a head coach i think having that respect to people and being a good communicator really helps set the the mood around the club and i think that's going to be a huge challenge for michael Beale moving forward because it's not just about what you do on the grass how well you coach and how well you set the team up you have got to manage the club even if you only are the head coach So. I can see why they've done it and I can understand why his coaching pedigree has, has tempted them um, but I think he has got quite a tricky transition to manage now because Tony communicated so well and was, was so popular so I think it's going to be really interesting sort a of few months ahead
0: No absolutely and, and sleeves the elephant in the room perhaps that, that Phil has, has touched upon is that the fan reaction to Bale actually hasn't been overly positive. I think there's a lot of Sunderland fans are going to give him a chance because that's what Sunderland fans do and, and rightly so. We ran a poll on the Echo, I think it got 1,500 votes and the majority of those votes were that they were going to going to give him a chance but I think only 3% said that they were actually happy with the appointment of Michael Beale. He does deserve though a, a fair crack of the whip.
1: Oh definitely, listen I think if any new manager comes into a football club it, it's a clean slate and again like you say he might not be in the... Uh, speakman's number one choice or the club's number one choice and by the sounds of the fans aren't overly enthusiastic about him coming in but at the same time if he comes in and he gets a few results on the board and there's obviously a big game coming up in the new year that that i'm sure we'll speak about uh, in time if he can get kind of a couple of good results and going into that game full of confidence then i'm sure the fans will start kind of appreciating his effort so i think it's important that he is given that opportunity I think on Bailey, he's obviously gone in. Like, like the, uh, Phil has mentioned, there he's had some coaching experience at big clubs, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Rangers, which is a massive club as well up in up in Scotland. He, 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 listen, he was part of the the staff when they kind of stopped Rangers winning the the record title uh, ten in a row. So he'll have experience of that pressure of a big club. Obviously, things didn't go too well when he went back up to Rangers as manager. But yeah, he, he, I'm hoping that he's learned from that kind of process and. And, and take it from there but I do think the fans need to give him a big chance because again I'm sure he wants to do well first and foremost for himself but I'm sure once he kind of steps foot into that stage of and, and feels the passion of the club because I don't think you actually realise where it's like you're kind of involved in the club or, or, how important there is to the people up here so I'm sure he will be given an opportunity for Sunderland fans genuinely are, are good once they get inside that ground they're going to get behind the team and the new manager and as I said if he, if he gets off to a good start then I'm assuming all this kind of noise will be forgotten about
0: Yeah he does need to get off to a, to a good start and obviously results matter in the business Phil sticking on the the fan reaction quickly a lot of Sunderland fans have sort of noted the theme around appointing head coaches that Sunderland tend to move for out of work head coaches they don't have to pay compensation it's something fans are sort of latched on to understandably so what do you make of that sort of strategy or is it even a deliberate strategy by Sunderland or is this the best man for the job
2: i think it's just circumstances more than anything i mean i understand it because this is the problem you've got from what the football club have done is you sat your manager a head coach i should say sorry um who's a few points off the playoffs and everyone thinks oh wow the next guy who's gonna come in is gonna have to be this big name with this big reputation because surely this means that we want to go for the top two and and being in just off six isn't good enough but i'm not really sure that's what it was about i think it was more about the fact that as you know sleeves lead to at the start i think the relationships weren't great behind the scenes. And I think that obviously, the club had a really clear way that they wanted the head coach to work. And Tony clearly didn't really fit that bill and he didn't seem particularly comfortable with it either. So, you know, I think we've got to put it in the context as well that when now when someone go out to hire a head coach, they're not gonna have any, in, well, they're gonna have a small amount of input on recruitment, but they're obviously not gonna be making the big decisions. They want the new person to work with the existing coaching structures. So there's not a huge amount of room to bring your own staff in. You know, realistically, you're looking for a certain kind of coach who's going to want to work in that environment. Yeah. You know What we might define as the big name managers with big reputations, are they going to come in and work in that structure? They're probably not, so I think it's just a reflection really of the way that, and people will have their own opinions whether it's the right way to operate or the wrong way to operate. I think it's just the way something work now. It's completely changing mm. the profile of the job and I think that changes the kind of candidates that you're going to see going forward as a result. What's your view on that,
0: Sleeves? Because I suppose it's twofold in a
2: way because you could look at it, in a
0: sense that Alex Neill, Tony Mowbray did very well for Sunderland up until a point but then both showed signs of, of disgruntlement, the other way of looking at it is that actually Sunderland under this way of doing things, this model this structure have actually progressed quite a bit from, from where they found the club in League One and um, whether they can progress further um, under this sort of guise I guess is another matter.
1: Yeah. I was thinking about it when 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 he appointed Michael Bay, and I was thinking when he went up to Rangers as Steven Gerrard's assistant. I think that kind of suited him because obviously you had Steven Gerrard there, everybody knows who he is, massive figure in the game, and he was the kind of the, the kind of leader of Rangers there. He was the one that went and spoke with the media. He was the manager, and then you had Michael doing, all, I presume, most of the training. And from what I hear, he took a lot of the training when they did win the title there. So it, it might suit him coming in. at in, into Sunderland and having that kind of not having to worry about recruitment because he didn't have to do that initially at Rangers when Steven Gerrard was there. Obviously when he back when he went back up to Rangers as the actual head coach, stroke manager, he was probably in charge of bringing in the players and and kind of going and speaking to the to the media and it probably didn't go quite as well. So I'm hoping he learned from that, but there's a net, it, there'll be an element of kind of as the system manager Steven uh, Gerrard at Rangers initially when he comes in at Sunderland where he's kind of. Not massively involved in who comes in, but he's given the, the training ground to kind, of, to kind of get the process on the pitch right. And it, it may work well. And going back to why, why, why we're appointing managers and head coaches that are our work, I'm sure Michael Bale is looking around and thinking, Do you know what, I want to get back in as soon as possible. And to go from Rangers as well, he's probably looking around thinking, you know, there's not many kind of clubs around that are going to match that kind of passion and that, intensity. that yeah intensity and, and people that... Like a bit of pressure to get results, so he's coming in at Sunderland, so he's probably going to embrace it. And again, for me, it's it's an interesting. The more I think about it, it makes a little bit more sense. So I'm I'm for giving him a chance because you're only as good as as what as what you show. there's no point in us kind of... Well, we'll, we'll always debate as football fans, as football people. We always debate whether it's a good decision or a bad decision. But the, the proof will be in time, won't it? And when we see how things develop on the pitch... and listen, He's been on the grass this week with the players, and I'm sure they're getting a kind of fair idea how he works like Phil mentioned there the coaching staff are all the same so there won't be massive massive differences in the in the club and I'm excited to see how it goes albeit interested and a little bit weary because it's Sunderland isn't it
0: (laughs) when it goes wrong it goes wrong
1: so Sunderland have had a, a
0: decent start to the season as we approach the new year but it has been undermined slightly by a lack of form from strikers obviously they bought four in in the summer, sleeves. what have you made of those four strikers when you've seen them and just that general situation around Sunderland? Because it's something that's dogged Sunderland for a long time and it's another issue that sort of really gets fans backs up, and understandably so.
1: Listen, yeah, listen, the four lads you just speak about have come in, they the very inexperienced lads, so when you're bringing in young players it's always a little bit of a risk. Do you hit the ground running or you kind of stagnate and take a little bit of time listen i'm not against doing that because i was fortunate enough as a young unknown striker when i came to the club 20 20 years ago wherever it was people were probably saying about me or oh, don't know this guy but i was looking if i did okay but it hasn't quite happened for the young strikers now at the moment so i think the club have got to look at that look at that situation in january and if there is a is a for, there's no point in bringing somebody in that isn't going to improve the squad but if there is a center forward there available that wants to come to the club and I'm sure there'll be some out there but you might have to play a little a bit more money than, than your average player to come in. I think they'll definitely help the rest of the team because listen Sunderland play some great football even without route forwards, it's exciting to watch, you know, we some really good footballers: Clark, Roberts, Bob, you know, uh, Neil. Really good young players that are enjoying playing for Sunderland. But I think we have been lacking for me, especially in some of the away games. somebody just to stretch the team. You know that kind of focal point, that little threat in behind, which might create a little bit more space for Clark, Roberts, etc. Pritchard. It's because at the moment it's a bit. Bit predictable how Sunderland they're playing and it's as teams kind of realise that they, they know how to set up set up against Sunderland and it's probably why we've not seen as many positive results so it'll be an interesting few weeks I'm sure Michael Beale will have his own ideas how he can kind of get the best out of the current squad but I do think there needs to I would like to see somebody brought in obviously Bellingham has had to go up there as well I think out of all the strikers and Bellingham, I think the, the, the team looks a little bit better when he plays up through the middle, albeit he's not an actual forward, but he seems to have that presence and aura about him, which, which also is important. So, yeah, I think that's that's a big one to bring, bring the centre forward in. I know, listen, we've been saying this for a long time, but I think that's a huge, that'll be a huge addition if we can get somebody into the club in the, 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 the window.
0: Well, that's what Southern need, they need somebody to, to stretch defences and they probably need a bit of experience, somebody who can score goals regularly. The question is, will Sunderland fans get that in January
2: yeah I, to, to be honest I, obviously we've seen how Sutherland operate for quite a few windows now and <laughs> they don't strike me as they're going to change course from what they're doing so it wouldn't really surprise me no. if we saw another young striker come in you know because that's they have such a clear way about how they want to work I think for me it's an interesting one because with Louis Hamia and Mayende, I sort of get it I can see that they've got a lot of potential they're very raw but fair enough they're going to be here for a long time they sign long term contracts so you yeah. can work with them I think obviously Rusin you know, clearly there's been some issues with the language which you can understand he's adapting to a new environment but I think and this has not been critical of the lad but you know is the one he's only here for a season if you bring in a player on loan from a Premier League club he's the one really who should be the most ready to hit the ground running yeah, I think that needs, just needs makes to yeah, yeah, think, the idea
0: was for him to contribute I think so
2: and, and I think he obviously has struggled and I think that's maybe the biggest issue because he's the one who was brought in to make an impact here and now and he hasn't been able to do it and I think That's a big question for something, because one thing, you don't want six or seven strikers in the squad, do you? Because you're going to be left with a lot of unhappy players. So with Burstow the question is, is does he continue for the rest of the season? Or do you say, do you know what? It's no good for you sitting on the bench, not getting any football. Do we sort of just shake hands here and, and you go back to Chelsea, maybe go somewhere else? And we'll look to use that space in the squad and those funds to try and bring someone else in. Maybe you can impact the team a bit more. Like I say, he's a young lad. He's not played loads of football, so I have a lot of sympathy with him. But I think when you bring in a loanee from a Premier League club like we did with Ahmad last year, you know they're the player who you're looking to make a, a really quick impact. And for whatever reason, whether it's tactics or whether it's whatever, it just hasn't quite happened yet.
0: What's that like, sleeves though, coming through? Because obviously you came through pretty young at Manchester City and Sunderland. You're getting in the first team. You know, we as, as pundits and fans, you know, we expect results and we judge performances. But how hard is it as a young player breaking through a big club like Sunderland, trying to get some traction, trying to get some goals? Um, you know How hard is it to adapt to that?
1: Yeah, it's difficult, especially like uh, Brestow as well, coming from Chelsea, the Sunland as well. He, he it's, it's crazy, it's like sliding door moments. You know, if you're if you playing the first couple of games, you get a couple of goals, and all of a sudden you're on the front foot, and you think, oh, I've arrived. And all of a sudden that doesn't happen. Game goes by, game goes by, comes out of the team, sporadic appearances here and there. You start thinking maybe this isn't the right fit, because mentally, mentally you're not you're strong as a young player but you're not as kind of mentally kind of viable in this experience to kind of deal with the, them kind of that side of the game because academy football doesn't kind of build you for that I know Phil mentioned Diallo. I think that's a little bit different like he was I think they paid £30 for him did he Man United so you're bringing in a, a £30 million player that probably do you know what I mean? straight away you know what you're going to get and even him he he took a little bit of time to get going when he came in too but listen what, what we would give to get him back in there Random and white in January because he was there I think that's a big we haven't even mentioned him I think he's been a huge miss this season like because again he was just a catalyst wasn't he he got people off their seats and he. I think he created a buzz on the pitch and other players kind of grew with that as well so again that's why I think in January it's important that the club brings bring an attacking player in that can kind of lift the place and give that little bit something a little bit different than because if you look at the league table it's it's very tight it's, it's all to play for still obviously the two teams kind of leading the charge at top the table are, are pulling away a little bit but below that kind of you got a good run in the new year there's every chance you can go and kind of go up look at Luton town last year who, who obviously knocked Sunderland out in the playoffs they went in that good run, good, good organised unit, and they end up getting promoted against all the odds. So, yeah, it's 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 all to play for this year, and that's that's the beauty. Of, uh, Michael Beale coming in, he's coming into a club that has a really good chance. Sometimes when you come in as a manager, coming into a struggling club where you yes, you kind of have to lift players up, I think the club is still in a good position. So he won't have that problem. So it's whether he can add whatever wherever's being done it'll be great so yeah it's just yeah I, th- I think that a little bit maybe an experienced player as well because the squad is so young just I was thinking of Norwich even at the start of the season when they brought Ashley Barnes. I thought that was a clever signing by Norwich, you know, to bring somebody in like that, that know-how and the played in the division for a long time, couple of promotions under his belt, and he, and he's done well for Norwich. You know, he picked up an injury and he, he missed a couple of well, a couple of months, but he's back playing now, and it's you no know, coincidence that Norwich is starting to pick up a few results again. You know, so somebody maybe of that kind of mantra if, if available, but again, it's they're hard to come by these players, and if they are, a lot of clubs are in the mix for them.
0: Yeah, I think that it's worth mentioning that. Uh... You know, Sunderland have performed reasonably well this season They're sort of sick So Michael Beale, as Sleaves mentioned Is coming into a, a good squad who are well coached It's crazy to think Phil That at one point last season Sunderland had Ella Sims, Ross Stewart And Ahmad Diallo We've touched upon Ahmad Diallo there What are the chances of him coming back in, in January? It, it seems to me like a bit of a long shot There's a lot of things to be decided A lot of reports and a lot of
2: yeah. noise Could it happen? I, th- I think it could happen. I think theoretically it could happen. I know that someone were, were very interested in trying to do it in the summer and they even offered for Ahmad to sort of yeah, do do, to do him, the yeah. end of his rehab and then play seven or eight games, you know, before the new year to, to get fit and then let Man United decide what they want to do from there. Um listen it depends, I I mean Ahmad's just returned to full training, isn't it? Which means he's got, you know, a period of probably about a month for Eric Ten Hag to decide whether he's going to play a part in the second half of the season and if he's not then I think they will look to loan him out it makes no sense for me for Man United to sell him now because he's just come back from fitness Um, so they're not going to get the kind of fee they're not going to recoup what they paid for him Um, so if he does go out on loan I think someone will have got a chance because everybody knows how much he loves it and how much he'd be happy to come back it's obviously a question of finance the only other thing I would throw into the mix as well which hasn't been talked about much is that there's a very good chance he's going to the African Cup of Nations next month Um, and obviously you know, If you're looking at it, if you're signing a player on loan potentially for quite a lot of money, he's going to be missing for, for mm. six weeks, you're not actually going to see that much of him. Yeah, yeah. But of course that could work in someone's favour, because maybe some of the other clubs who are interested in him are looking at it, thinking, well actually we'll go for someone who's going to be free from day one, and mm-hmm. then them might think, well let's just get him in, if he plays ten games he <laughs> yeah, could get short. us up.
1: For me personally, I'd give up them six weeks, if you if were you, if you, if to guarantee even like 75% of what he showed yeah. last season, because again towards the end of last year he was phenomenal and unplayable, and... Yeah. Again, like I mentioned, he was just the catalyst to the team, to the results, to that playoff run. I go back to the game, even at Preston, at Deepdale, which was an unbelievable atmosphere. It was just him on the pitch. He scored that goal, and all of a sudden, he's got that star. Yeah, he it? does. And again, if if he is available, I don't know. If I was in the in the building at Sullivan I'd probably get a few of the staff to get a in the van and go down there and kidnap him, like you know. So. But well, yeah, we'll see what happens. He's that good though, isn't he, that there will be Premier League interest, oh, yeah. even regardless
0: of the African Cup of Nations?
1: Yeah, definitely. Listen, his quality speaks for itself. And I know people say, yeah, it was in the Championship and that, but I think if you watch him play the way he played, even in the games when he played against like the kind of Premier League against Fulham that time, he, he, tore, he tore them to shreds. And that was a really good Premier League team, as, as you see now, they're flying this year in the Premier League. So... Yeah, it, it, again, there'll be a few players mentioned though over the next few weeks and that. So, again, it's it's not it's not for us to decide who comes in. But it, Michael Bale, I'm sure whether he'll have a massive say on things. I'm sure he'll have a little bit of input that he might bring fresh ideas into the, the group that are already there. That might make think you know oh, yeah that's a good idea. So from that from that that extent as well, it's it's, it's a good appointment.
0: Jack Clarke has been on fire for Sunderland this season, by far and away Sunderland's top goal scorer winning penalties left right and sent that, and dispatching them. Um, Phil, what is his contract situation? What is the, the situation heading into January? Uh, obviously there was bids from Burnley last summer. What can we expect, basically?
2: Yeah, I think it depends on whether anyone's willing to pre- pay a huge fee from in this in this window. I think Jack's got two and a half years left on his contract, so at the moment, there's no pressure for Sunderland to sell. I think they know how damaging it would be to this team, because I think they are quite reliant on him at the moment. So I don't think there's a willingness to sell him. Obviously, if someone comes in and puts £30 on the table, £25 then I think they're going to have a really difficult decision. But my gut instinct at this moment is that I don't see Clark going next month. I think the summer window, when he'll then have two years left on his contract and his value will probably be at its peak, I think if someone aren't promoted, then I think they might find it quite difficult to keep all of him. But I think for now, I think he's too important to this team to lose next month unless it's the kind of money that you just can't turn down.
0: Yeah, I don't think they could let him let him go in January really. I think in terms of the fans it would cause a massive backlash and just in terms of Sutherland season as well. You want Michael Beale to, to succeed, then he's gonna need Jack Log.
1: Yeah, definitely. Listen, I'd be very surprised if he goes. He's he's got a couple of years left and he seems the the thing as well as a football player, he's loved he's loved here and he as a player when you're really like you don't really want to move on he may go somewhere okay he may listen money may come into the equation and he, he might be given an offer that he, he can't refuse
0: he's had that experience of moving to a yeah big club he, for big and money, that's what i was going it? to
1: say he's moved from down to spores at a young age and he's he's kind of didn't quite walk out there he's come back up and he's he's found his feet now and he's arrived and he's loving life it seems as a Sunderland player so I, I would be surprised if he moves on like like you boys have said unless there's a massive amount of money that the club literally can't refuse which probably could happen but I'd be surprised if it does happen. I'd like to see him stay till the end of the season. I think for, as well it would be the best thing as a football player for him to do because, again, he's in the form of his career. He's still a really young boy, still learning a few things about the game but if someone lost him, it would be a disaster for me. Absolutely.
0: New contract, any chance do you think? Obviously there'll be some discussions that seems to have sort of quietened down on I that think, front.
2: I think it's going to be very difficult because... As soon as Premier League clubs are putting bids in, they can offer a level of finance that right now is a long, long, long way above what Sunderland can. So if I'm being brutally honest, I'm not sure what the incentive is with two and a half years still on his deal for Clark to sort of commit when you know the kind of bids yeah, that could yeah. be on the table and whether it's next month or six month down the line never say never but I, I think that's going to be really tricky unless someone managed to get promoted this season and then it might be a different conversation
0: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll move on from transfers there's a little old game happening on January uh, 6th in the FA Cup at the Stadium of Light Southern Newcastle first time in a long time. Slaves, what was your initial reaction when you saw that draw?
1: Yeah, I actually wasn't watching the draw draw live. My son came out, he's obviously a Sunderland fan. He came out and we go, we've seen the draw. I was like, no, no, you haven't got Newcastle. So I was like, probably it's one of them. You're kind of thinking, wow, isn't it? A little bit because because the fact that it's been so long. What's it? Seven years? Is it seven years since? Yeah, seven, yeah. Yeah. So it's again, it's it's crazy to think that it's been so long, and it, and you look where Southern have look where the two clubs have, have gone since that last the Last derby game, and it's it's going kind to of bring them all back together in the kind of two different worlds. And that so, t- take obviously where Newcastle are in the Premier League, obviously, obviously not going through a great run at the moment, but they've Champions League football, where Sullivan they've been in the, the halls of League One and, and struggling to back into the Championship now. I don't think anybody. T- Expect Sunderland to go and win the game, or I just think for the for the North East as well, it's a it's a great fixture, great to have the derby back, and I'm sure everybody's looking forward to watching it. It's it's going to be an interesting kind of watch. You would expect Sullivan to, to have to stay in the game if they've got any chance of like kind of. I don't know it's an obvious thing to say, but what I mean I, what I mean by that is kind of like just kind of be dogged and make her uncomfortable for Newcastle and you just never know in, in, a, in a cup game There's a
0: lot of noise around the game as you'd expect Phil a lot of it off the pitch uh, Newcastle have been handed a 6,000 allocation uh, for the game that means some season ticket holders will be displaced at the Stadium of Light because Newcastle fans will have a section of the north lowest stand as well this all came about after meetings between Newcastle Sunderland Safe- Safety Advisory Board which would be the police fire service ambulance all of that sort of stuff What have you made of that allocation? For me it seems a bit nuts Obviously it's going to be done in a bubble as well So there's going to be 70, 80 coaches of Newcastle fans Coming into Sutherland on the day That sounds to me like a logistical nightmare Sutherland fans clearly annoyed by this And understandably so For me not a great look at the moment I'm not sure where the blame lies And we possibly won't know Because we weren't in these meetings ourselves Um, But it just seems like madness to me
2: Yeah I think that it's, it's, I think it, the starting point is that I don't think you're ever going to make everybody happy when you have mm-hmm. these kind of decisions to make um, and I think we have seen other cup games where fans have been moved in home ends because obviously the rules are different and if you can you have to try and give up to 15% but I think the fact that there's been so little dialogue with supporters yeah, from the yeah. start I think it just makes especially Sunderland fans feel like they haven't really been put first and I mm-hmm. think that's where the big problem is and that's you know you're going into potentially your biggest game of the season with Sunderland fans already really disappointed with how they feel they've been treated and they feel like they haven't been consulted and listened to I think that's a really bad place for the club to be and you know and I think getting 6,000 fans is obviously you know it's good for the way supporters and if there's a oh, replay yeah, yeah. then Sunderland can take a lot of fans but you have to wonder whether in the circumstances that they are with the bubble trip is this actually what is best for fans to have a larger allocation in these sort with these conditions i'm not Probably totally not. convinced it is and i think you have to ask the question whether it's been done for the right reasons or whether you've been done because it for both clubs it's financially lucrative so i think but it's the a, big a bit of a
0: tinderbox as well now hasn't it because the the sort of the strength of feeling around the game now from sutherland fans was was heightened anyway because it's newcastle but now because of this big allocation and newcastle fans being in the lower bowl um and seemingly haven't got what they wanted really given the 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 statements newcastle fans groups put out about having a, a full allocation or close to it Um it sort of heightens that tension now for i think me, for me anyway I, I
2: think there's a lot of bridges for someone to build because i don't think they've communicated or sort of mm. consulted with the fans anywhere near well enough on this and i think it's left fans feeling pretty disillusioned and you know, when it's your biggest game of the season and you know that it means so much to your supporters yeah, yeah. I think that's really poor so I, th- I think there's a lot of work to be done in, in the weeks ahead because I don't, I don't think it's been great to be fair
0: No absolutely, Sleeves though, what are, what are these games like to play and in, in scoring because for me as a fan I've, I've attended me fair share of derbies and they're always just nuts from the beginning of the day to the end of the day it's always crazy, what's it like to be inside that atmosphere and, and the pressure?
1: It's it's hard to put into words, like obviously you, you, you kinda I think the fact that this one as well we waited so long for it as well, it's it's made it even more intriguing. But as a player you kinda you go into the game listen, you you try and tell yourself it's just another game, but you know it's not especially the Derby up here, it's just pure hatred between the fans. That's, let's be honest, isn't it, do you know? So we're talking about a bubble there, it better be a solid steel bubble, do you know? <laughs> but uh no, I think it's it's one of them. You just gotta kind of get your head around the game plan. Again, listen, Newcastle are gonna be coming to town. They're gonna have listen, they've got. Let's be honest, they've got a much better caliber of player at the moment. They have got a Champions League squad, where Sunderland have a Championship squad. So let's kind of not get away from that. But at the same time, football's all about stars. If you can kind of frustrate, like I mentioned previously, if you can fr- frustrate this Sunderland, uh, sorry, this Newcastle team, then the Sunderland lads will be thinking, can I be the hero today? Can I go and get that winning goal or? I don't know. Take it to a replay. I don't know. And it, these are the things that goes through your head as a as a player. You you want to you, you want to kind of affect these derby games. Again, obviously, I was lucky enough. We lost the game. Where I, I scored a goal in the derby at, at the time. It was a pretty good one, yeah. Score. But you, you remember these moments. <laughs> for the rest of your career and so I played at Derbys or other clubs and they are a bit special and I was fortunate to have good moments in even other Derby games where it's, it kind of, it gives you an adrenaline rush that you can't really, it's kind of a body experience so again these players will be hoping, the likes of Clark Roberts will be thinking you know what? I'm already like here, can I go and kind of make myself a hero because let's be honest, if, if somebody scores a winning goal in this game in January for Sutherland they're never ever going to be forgotten about it, no matter what happens, you know, so these are the kind of little triggers you have in your mind, but ultimately not getting away from the, the the plan to kinda to try and beat Newcastle. But I'm sure Newcastle will be thinking the same there seven years. They haven't the last time they beat Sunderland?
0: You know, it's... Yeah, a long time.
1: So, so they, they, I'm sure play, that'll be hammered into their players by both supporters, staff as well. Southerland,
0: I think, are unbeaten in nine against against Newcastle.
1: Yeah, so it's a long time since Newcastle have beaten Sutherland, so they'll be fully aware of that in the Newcastle dressing room too. So on the on the reverse side of things, they'll be thinking the exact same thing. Let's, let's go over there and kind of, can, can they? So again, that's what makes a derby, but it's... Bar obviously the, the the situation with the fans, which is was spoken about, which is a little bit ludicrous when you think about it. But actually on the pitch on the match day, when you've got all them Newcastle fans there, and it'll create it'll gener, generate an unbelievable occasion. And again, who who doesn't want to play in them games as a football player? These these lads that are a, a and probably won't have experienced anything like it before. Maybe Patrick Roberts, obviously playing up in the Old Firm, there. Maybe that's that's similar, maybe, but. Other than that, you're looking around at the Southern squad. It's going to be a new a new occasion for them. And I mentioned Luke O'Neill, like he's been around the club. This is probably the fixture that I actually thought of him when when I came out because he's been such a long servant to the club and he's he's done really well through through all the good times and obviously the bad the bad times as well. But he's grown with the club and I'm sure he'll be kind of raring to go and leading from the front come the start of the game. Absolutely.
0: If you're Michael Bale, Phil and you've got this fixture coming up, you've just taken the job. Are you thinking, great opportunity to prove myself, or are you just thinking, oh, oh no, Well, this, this, I, well is, this is the deep end? <laughs>
2: listen, right now, I think he'll be looking at it thinking, he'll be well aware of what the reaction from the fans has been, he'll be, yeah. well, he'll be well aware that he's not been particularly well received, there's doubts of what he's done at Rangers, so he'll be looking at it thinking, what a chance I've got here to completely change the narrative mm. and the way that the fans see me, because he'll know that if he wins that game, it's going to completely transform the way he's, he's viewed. Oh, absolutely. So he should be looking at that now thinking, that is a massive opportunity for me. I mean, I'm sure, at it, I'm sure you, deep down he knows as well that that's... Because, you know, with the, the quality that Newcastle have got, you know, they can, they can win it in, in 30 seconds, you know. If you, if so, you look at the way
0: Di Canio's viewed among Southern fans, it's still, I would say, fondly, despite the fact that he was there for five minutes, but he still beat Newcastle in that, in that first 3-0 game. and is a cult figure, isn't he? Despite really not doing much as a manager. I'm not sure I would call him a cult figure. I
2: think <laughs>
1: the thing, the thing, when you think about the Canyons Sun, and you think about him sliding on his knees, yeah, yeah, and you think the really lack good. of tomato sauce, and do you know what I mean? When he, when he banned the tomato sauce. But ultimately, it's do you know? You don't think of an You don't think of all the other games. That you can't really. But you, that game, it's that's what derby games do. Like it's well, supporters over time, they always remember that game because of me and so much of them. Like the, uh, the big derbies, like again, some Newcastle, I'm sure Celtic, Rangers. Again, I was looking to play Hearts. They're the games that you know, when I go back up to Edinburgh even I speak with people they remember the Derby games it's they don't so and as time passes boy, you tend to forget about certain games not it but the Derby games stick and the good times stick great the bad times even stick longer unfortunately you know so you kind of it's a great, it's a great opportunity for someone like to go and make a massive statement. Well, yeah. I, I guess quickly as well. The like, FA Cup third round is
0: always a little bit of a leveller and the pressure, as yeah. you mentioned, in the Newcastle dressing room, they'll be aware of everything. They've had a little bit of a tough time as we speak. They've been knocked out the, the Champions League and the Carabao Cup. All of that comes into effect and can help sort of level the playing field a little bit, can't it? You,
1: you would hope so, like you yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, you would listen. You would hope so. Like, there's there's obviously a gulf in quality, and like we mentioned, there's a gulf in quality, and that's. That's nothing on the Sunderland players, and it's it's just the way it is. That's a matter of where the two clubs find themselves. But come come the sixth of January, it's eleven players v eleven players. Can you go out there and make a name for yourself and? again like we said it's, if I'm one of them players in that Sunland dressing room and that, if I'm in that starting 11 or even in the squad you're taking on the bench oh come on score the winner here that's, that's a life changing thing in football terms so it's a great chance for, for these Sunland players to go and experience it there before, first and foremost and then make a name for yourself and even better
0: Absolutely. gentlemen thank you very much A big thank you to our guests for this episode Phil Smith and former Sunderland player Stephen and a big thanks as well to the Fans Museum in Monkway Mouth of Sunderland for hosting our podcast today